Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's Spanish for hello, Coca-Cola. And welcome to Respawn Aim Fire. A common saying. <laughs> A common saying. Colloquially referred to as RAF. And we are the Kick-Ass Irreverent Gaming Podcast, where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Chad Michael Innes. That's Holden DePardo. Oh, hi, Chad. And you're you, and that's why we love you. We have a lot to talk about today, starting with our third-party quest log. We're going to jump right into it. Both feet, both dicks, one ball, save the other for later. BioWare <laughs> shares scant details on long-term Anthem plans. This comes from Cass Marshall Paul. That feels just like so, like, it feels like we skipped the foreplay. No, we're just jumping into it. I don't know. Hey, everybody, comment on our, if you like this, like, balls to the wall, we're going to jump right in. Let us know if you hate it, if you like it. Because, like, right now we went balls to the wall and went for it and then said, ooh, no, the water's too cold. And then, like, (laughs) got out. Uh... Check back later for more instruction. Bioware is motivated to keep <laughs> updating Anthem due to higher levels of engagement following the Cataclysm launch. Uh, so, so they recently just came out and said that rather than focus on new content coming forward, uh, like big new chapters like Cataclysm, they are going to instead focus on making the game uh, what they intended it to be in the first place and fixing the game's core issues. <laughs> so they are changing the roadmap canceling a lot of things that were in the pipeline and they're now going to focus on just making the game everything it should have been from the start and hopefully that will please gamers and then they will go from there holden does that do anything for you if i hear that hey here's the update that is like what we want this game to be and here it is it gets great feedback i will give it a try because i like bioware it's a developer likes to support we both played the demo and neither of us really cared for the demo that much yeah so they'd really have to change a lot, I feel. I don't know if they're going to change a lot of the mechanics. I don't know. We'll have to see what they change. But it's refreshing to hear that they're at least getting the backing. Because they're doing this, I'm assuming, because EA is allowing them to. And it's nice to know they have the backing to really do what they want to do. As opposed to letting this game flounder. So it's, it's, it's reassuring to, rather than just dropping. Here's what I want to happen. I want this game to have its 90s rom-com... Uh, movie moment where it like takes off its glasses and lets down the ponytail and it turns out that it was actually Bob Saget the whole time in a good way because uh, <laughs> Bob Saget's the hot girl I wanted to have that moment I wanted to have it's no man's sky coming out party mm-hmm. and be like hey guys we're good now see we promise Chad's still not going to try it anyway but we're good now just kidding I will try Anthem that's the whole point of this story is when that happens and then when it's also on Game Pass, and then when you also have an Xbox, and then that will be our game night night game uh, for uh, side note. Whenever it happens, very surprised you still won't try No Man's Sky now that it's in VR. Yeah, fucking not paying money for that. It's still boring. I read like three sentences of a review about it about Beyond, and it's like, hey, it's still just a lot of the same, but in VR. It now. said, Chad, turn around. The water's too cold. Get out. <laughs> Turn around. Yeah, so I, I want this game to be good. I want me to not have to pay money for it or to pay a little bit of money for it, and then I want us all to enjoy it as a community. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about games in a different way now. Now that we started doing game night. Yeah, and, and, no man's guy. Yeah. yeah. Now that we've started doing game night, we were like playing something with people. Every, I'm starting to think about, oh, what big games can we all play together? What can we do that's like six person or eight person? How do we, can we build a tournament around something? I'm like starting to think about multiplayer games in a way i haven't before Ooh, and i'm getting very sexually aroused 
I like tournament idea. That's a good idea. Yeah, you need an Xbox. I just know we just, we set up our own tournament. We do like a Smash Bros or Mario Kart tournament nope. or something like that. No, it has to be an Xbox based tournament. No, it doesn't. It does. I don't have an Xbox. I don't have. An it Xbox. has to be, and we're going to do Ori in the Blind Forest speed runs. <laughs> <laughs> All in one night. <laughs> yep, but you can play that on Switch now. Coming sometime this fall. Yay! Next up on our third-party quest log, new footage unveils GameStop store redesign. This comes from Dennis Patrick at GameRanks. Uh, there is a, a a very dry, personality-less GameStop employee who has taken a <laughs> vertical a video. Person. A vertical a video. <laughs> the vertical video is annoying. <laughs> of his GameStop store the day before it launches its new redesign. Um, it is now obviously open to the public, so it's not really a leak anymore. But it's, it, stores are – there's a couple things about them to note. One, a far cleaner look. No crazy different color schemes. Everything's like this nice slate gray. No dumb signs paneling. everywhere. Yeah, no dumb signs everywhere. Uh, there's no – there's now a, a couch and gaming area for this particular redesign – there's a focus on retro gaming. So there are four giant CRT TVs with different uh, consoles. We have an N64 hooked yeah. up to one. I think there was a Dreamcast hooked up to one. There's an Xbox, like OG Xbox as well. Yep. Speaking of, I still, I, my mom came up to me this weekend. I was on vacation back home. She came up, she's like, you know, you still have like the original Xbox in your closet and all of the games with it. I was like, I don't know what to do with it, but don't throw it away. You should have got the games because a lot of those might have been backwards compatible with your Xbox. Yeah, but Holden. I fly Southwest, two bags fly free. I didn't have a bag to fly with, so. <laughs> <laughs> you could have um, to be like, instead of two bags, I have two games to fly free, and just bring two games with you and like put them through the x-ray machine and everything. You know what, though? You know what game I have in there? Baldur's what Gate game? Dark Alliance 2. Oh, you, made, oh! you made a mistake. You were there. You could have gotten it. Mistake! I don't think that one's backwards compatible, though. Oh. Um... Anyway, it's okay. Baldur's anyway, Gate anyway, three is anyway, out. anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, there's also like a tablet on the wall, like a, an 11 inch tablet that you can go stare at on the wall and order things from GameStop.com, as if no one has a phone in their pocket, they can do the same exact thing. <laughs> and uh, you just wait to see a line backed up at that thing. It's like people, get your phone. <laughs> and then there Why are a lot of cheap ass card tables set up in the back for people to do gaming tournaments and card games and board games and all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think it's a great idea. Uh, it just seems like a story I actually want to go into as opposed to a regretful visit. Because every time I go to GameStop, <laughs> I just never have a great time visiting GameStop because it's overwhelming. It's too much. And it seems like they've streamlined the experience a lot. So it used to be that all the games were behind the register and like drawers didn't make any sense. If you worked there, I used to work at a GameStop for like a seasonal thing. And... Now, underneath every single shelf, they have little cabinets, little drawers to open up, and the games, I'm assuming, are in there. Way cleaner, way simpler, makes more sense. It also means the employees are not behind the counter the whole time. They're, like, on the floor. I just think all those things are going to lend itself to a much more customer-friendly experience that's more engaging between the employee and the customer. I just think that's like, oh, okay, there's that element. There's the tournaments that might be happening there because they're going to have, like, games, like, uh, stations and all that. Like, this is a new GameStop, and this is kind of a fresh direction and it's good to see and i wish the best for them i think it actually might work out maybe yeah maybe work out we'll despite, see but despite like, the language i use to describe everything about it i'm actually enjoying this new redesign as well to be clear this is one of several new types of redesigns many gamestop stores will get 
some of them will get redesigned to focus more on esports and gaming. Some of them will focus on different things. But uh, mm-hmm. this one is a retro style one. I'm curious how the retro style gaming area will work. Whether there's like some kind of like sign up. I, w- I would love to be able to be like, oh my God, do you guys want to go down in the mall? Well, no, not here. I wouldn't say that to anybody because I have no friends in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> Let's but go. To hypothetically, the mall. if I were a teen and I'm going in the mall, I'd love to be like, oh my God, <laughs> me and three friends, do you want to go reserve the Nintendo 64 CRT TV for, from one to three and play Mario Kart on it? Yeah, that sounds fucking great. Shoot, let's play GoldenEye too. Fucking yay! That's what I want the experience to be. But if I go in there and there's like some homeless guy with Cheetos eating like <laughs> skinny pop popcorn on the couch playing, I don't know, fucking Conker's Bad Fur Day. And I have to sit there and stand around and be like, put a quarter on the table to like say, hey, I got next. That's not the experience I want to have. And then I don't want to touch that controller again. So uh, I'm curious those how that two- works two options like it's either you're fun teens hanging out the mall or it's a homeless person (laughs) with cheetos and skinny pop it's the only two ways it can go yeah i'm very curious to handle the retros as well i actually hadn't thought about that um i'd imagine it'd just be go in and start playing and how busy do game stops really get that they'd have a huge problem and have to have reservations i don't know i don't don't know another thing chad mike guinness writes in to respawning fire on twitter at respawning fire and asks hey (laughs) Chad, have you been to a GameStop recently? They're all really small. How the fuck do we fit stuff like this in all the GameStops? Oh. <laughs> That's an excellent question, Chad. <laughs> I have been to a GameStop recently. And yeah, I don't see where this could fit in a lot of places without... Like, their inventory is already super small. And three quarters mm-hmm. of it is Funko Pops. So I well, don't know where this is all going to go. People can't fit four CRT TVs in some of these I GameStops. I think the where it's going to come from is that they're putting all those cabinets underneath the shelves. They don't have to have this like big counter space area where you have to have the counter, the register, all the games behind it. They can kind of better utilize their space. They had like an HGTV show person come in who's going to like make the most of their space. <laughs> and now been, I think, but there've been plenty of games that have been that you can't fit a couch in. But like, I seriously you, think that I think that if they like this place had a larger register set up because they had four registers, kind of two tables, uh, two on each table. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of places could just put that register against a fucking wall and then make room for that kind of stuff. I think it might work out. There are some really small GameStops out there. I know. I try. I do for Oculus stuff, again, out of transparency, because we'll talk about this, I'm assuming, in a little bit. Um I do Oculus stuff, and I go to a lot of GameStops because of that. So I've seen a plethora of GameStops in the Massachusetts area. I think that if they re-renovated the space and like really kind of demolished the current register area and put it somewhere else and utilized the space better, it could work. I think it could yeah. totally work. Yeah. Holden Depardo writes responding <laughs> fire and asks, Hey guys, with the new resta- recent uh, redesigns of the GameStop stores, uh, do you think it's too little too late? Are they going to have enough time to pull it out before to pull it out to pull it off before going bankrupt or being bought by another company? Holden, what an insightful question. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> well, let me answer your question for you. I think that they're going to start closing down a lot of stores and just keeping the most profitable stores. And think of like where I'm at right now, where I live. There are like five GameStops in a pretty small area. If they just had two instead, they'd have more traffic going into those stores. And they make those individual stores more, more profitable. I think they can kind of get smaller, renovate, and then grow again. I think that's feasible, 
but we just kind of have to see how it plays out. It really depends on how much longer digital sales keep increasing at the rate they're increasing. At what point do they get cut off? Does GameStop have a model on the digital side that works? It's not just the stores. It's the digital model as well. But I think the stores are making big enough changes that I'm willing to bet that they're willing to take big risks in other places too. Yeah. We'll see. I have no idea. We'll see. I think it's good timing as long as they act fast enough and make these redesigns quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, with PS5 and Xbox, whatever the fuck is next coming next year, I think it's that will put that'll like extend their lifespan another year or two. So as long as they make these store closures and redesigns in a quick enough fashion, I can see them turning into like having maybe one or two per city mm-hmm. and making them like a low key Dave and Buster's. Like, oh yeah. my god, you guys want to go instead of going to spend sixty bucks on fucking apps and beer and go and play skee ball. You can go and spend no money at GameStop and watch them die. And to be clear, you're not saying go to Dave & Buster's, spend $60 on applications. You mean appetizers, right? Appetizers, right. Just to be totally clear. Apps with a Z. There was a Z on the end. Apps. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, and then while you're there, maybe pick up, I don't know, a a Pikachu plush and a discounted (laughs) used copy of... They I like rig up ticket machines and sixty four. So if you like get a lot of headshots in Goldeneye, you get like fifty tickets that you can use, and you can exchange that for an eraser. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. There we eraser, go. Though. There we go. That's that's their new model. <laughs> that wraps up our third party quest log. But that's not all we've got in store. We've got Luigi's Mansion three news. We've got some Google Play Pass stuff. We've got Apple Arcade impressions and best games that we think you should play on it. But first, we're going to start with a little bit of playtime, which includes some Link's Awakening. I'm a parrot. But I want to hear the other games first. Yeah, before we talk about those two, I was on vacation with my family this week. We went to Myrtle Beach, had a grand old time at the Grand Ole Opry. That's not where the Grand Ole Opry is, but we had a great time regardless. Regardless, irregardless, irregardlessly. Uh, I played two games that are not new games, but are new to me. One new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. What a shit show that game is. When you <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of people playing? Yes, with four people playing, uh, two of which are age five and under. Um, you mean permanent bubbles, you mean? <laughs> permanent bubble. Well, one of them is, uh, what's the purple one that allows you not to get hurt by anything? Oh, uh, is that Toadette? Nabber. Nabbit, oh, Nabbit, 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 right. Nabbit. Um, so one of them, the Close top. Enough, I, I believed you, <laughs> Matthew, little guy playing as Nabbit. You got Mason playing as Blue Toad. Danny has to play as Princess Peach. She's seven, and she's actually like good at the game. Danny self-identifies as a gamer. <laughs> she's fucking awesome. I bought her a Switch for her birthday in August, and she is all about games. I even let her play some What's the That's Golf. So Spoilers for what's coming up later, and she was great at it. Um, anyway, so I played New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe with four people, three kids, and me, and it was it was it was murder. It was murder <laughs> trying to get through any level. Danny immediately started at the end at the final castle. It's like, all right, hey, let's beat this game. And like we were failing miserably at that, obviously, because you're not just playing four people on one level. You're playing four people on le- one level. But if you accidentally jump on somebody else, or somebody else jumps under you, and then like that can throw off your jump, and everybody's bouncing everywhere and throwing people and. Oh, man. And somebody goes up ahead, and you fall behind, or you miss a ledge, and then you fall down, and then you die. And it was it was a shit show. It was a shit show. Yeah. Lots of giggling. It was tough when I did that with me and my two brothers, who are 13 and 8. And the 8-year-old would constantly just be 
upset that old Henry would be constantly upset that he was behind and in a bubble the entire time. Yep. <laughs> because Grace would be like, all right, in order to get past this one area, we'll just ignore Henry for a little bit. He'll make it harder. We'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my brother be. Matthew for beating the entire game with his two kids. So, wow. Ages three and seven. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an experience. Then we played, or I played, Oculus Quest. I played it for the first time. I've used it for, like, really boring, like, P, not PR, HR stuff before at a conference. But I've never actually played a game on it before. And I played The Exorcist. My sister got an Oculus Quest. She brought it to the beach. Played The Exorcist. Um, I don't know whether it was the game or the headset. I assume it was the game because I, I assume it was, like, some licensing grab bag. Have you played The Exorcist yet? No, I haven't. You know anything? Nope. Um... Morgan was like, oh my god, this is the scariest thing in my life. And I got into it, and it was the first time I ever felt like I was going to throw up in VR. And I was... <laughs> I literally, after like playing for about 15 minutes of it, I had to take it off and be like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't play anything else. And I had to sit down on the couch for like an hour. And I was like, whoa. That's how I felt with Resident Evil 7 on PSVR. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I felt so nauseous. Yeah. I also, I don't know whether this was the game or the Oculus, but reading text was impossible. Impossible. It's definitely not the Oculus. No? Okay, it's good. Definitely not the Oculus. It just must it's be really like the, good at text. the low-res, whatever the fuck, like polygons yeah, that's and strange. images. It says 1440p per eye. So text okay. resolution should not be an issue at all. And it just must be really low-res models that they're using in that, in that game. But I, I did yeah. not have a great experience with the Exorcist on Oculus Quest. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I played the first level. I didn't get scared at all. I got lost and things didn't make sense. There was really terrible signposting. I didn't know where to go next. And I was just walking around this. Uh, one of the things, too, that could have been part of it was I'm so used to playing split PlayStation VR and using thumbsticks to move. And I took off the headset and I gave it to Morgan. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, you stood still the entire time. And I was like, yeah, I play with a, I move with the thumbsticks. And she's like, Oh, you can move around. And this was like, oh, I'm not tethered to anything. There's no camera I have to make sure I'm in front of. I, so I didn't really play with the full experience. But it doesn't matter because I was not a fan yeah. of the game and I almost puked. So that was the I'm thing. I'm very upset that was your first experience with it. You should really try like super hot or something like that. I also, the headset hurt my fucking head. Like after 15 minutes, I was so happy to be free of it because it was just squishing my face. And... My eyelashes. I have really long eyelashes. Every girl I've ever dated is like, let me put mascara on your eyes. And I'm like, no. And like, just let me do it. And no. <laughs> I have super long eyelashes. And sometimes with like pairs of glasses or sunglasses, my eyelashes will like flick against the lenses. And it was really awful. Uh, and I started doing that with the Oculus Quest. I was like, Morgan, how do I move the lenses or move it further away from my face? Because it's just like every time I blink, it's just like. <laughs> and I was like, obnoxious. It's just like, oh, you can't. And I was like. I can do that with my PSVR. Bitch. Yeah, I didn't find it too comfortable. You can move I, the lenses in... forward or backward on the PSVR? Or you can move the whole headset forward and backwards. That oh, thing slides okay. out and slides in, so you can adjust it. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it was not a great first gaming experience with it. I would not recommend. I'm just kidding. I'm sure it's great. I just had a bad experience. <laughs> Next up, we both played... The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. Zelda only makes an appearance for one sentence in this entire game. And I was like, Zelda? No, I'm Marin. Ter- Mar- Mar- Marin. Marin. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why it's called The Legend of Zelda. It should be called The Legend of Link, Link's Awakening. 
But I beat it. I'm done with it. Beat the whole game? Beat the whole game. Uh, to be uh, transparent, I played this when I was really little. I played the DX version on Game Boy Color. And I don't remember a fucking thing about it. And I got into this one. And I had a grand old time at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> this is uh, this is the best 2D Mar- uh, Zelda game. Hands down. Yeah, I'm... I'm. I haven't been. I'm on the sixth dungeon right now. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm definitely in agreement that it's up there. I do, Link to, Link Between Worlds is like my favorite right now, but that's because I did all the Heroes Challenge, Three Hard Challenge, that kind of stuff. But all the time I'm playing this, going, I'm gonna do that again. I'm gonna do Heroes Mode. Then we do Heroes Mode Three Hearts. Then Three Hearts No Fairies, and I'm gonna do all that stuff. And I think it could top Link's uh, Link Between Worlds for me. It's it will really really good. It will. It is to be clear. Uh, all of the same shit from Link to the Past. Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening is all the same shit from Link to the Past. You have all the same items, all the same types of puzzles. If you've learned how to solve any kind of puzzle with bombs and a switch, great. You got it. You understand this game. Um, all the same types of areas. No, They're all with different names. They got the same fucking rooster weather vane that you got to bring back to life just like Link to the Past. It's all the same, but it's the more accessible better version of it and it's so great i would easily say this if you were to say oh i've never played a zelda game before this is the first one you should play yes this is the only 2d zelda game you should play not the only one (laughs) that's ridiculous oh no it was great i had a great time with it it is adorable (laughs) as fuck the the like the tilt shift uh shallow depth of field effect that they have on it similar like octopath i think was gorgeous makes it look like more like a toy the audience can't see you raising your amiibo right now because we don't do I video i know but you can see you said adorable, I can. and i'm like he's I adorable see. he's so fucking cute he's adorable. Oh, i just want to put his head in my mouth and squeeze my jaw together and no! his head pops and you can't do that i'm, I'm holding him close now he's out of frame you can't do that <laughs> i got yeah. the links awakening amiibo just so everyone's clear it's adorable. It's adorable. Uh, it's really I got the adorable. Squirtle Amiibo, and I got the uh, s- the Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid Amiibo as well. Solid Snake so. is adorable. <laughs> adorable, dude. When he adorable. lights up a cigarette, oh, I fucking can't stand it. He's so cute. <laughs> no, yeah, I had a great time with it. I It is, as I mentioned, all the problems I had with Link to the Past. You can go back and listen to our, our barf review of Link to the Past a long-ass time ago. <laughs> but all the problems it. I had with it, I did not have a fun time, mostly because... It's impossible and obtuse to figure out what the fuck you're supposed to do in that game unless you've already played it a zillion times like Holden. And then going into this one, I had played Link to the Past before, so I was like, oh, I remember this trope or this Zelda-ism. Obviously, this must be the key to something, and it was. And uh, mm-hmm. There are some improved things that make this game more accessible and easier, like the introduction of the owl statues, apparently, with the beaks that give, kind of give you nope. hints. That Were was those? there. That was there. Yeah. Um, the bombable walls before in the game boy color version you had to like ram your sword into the wall and listen for sound changes whereas this one they just have cracks in them like you come to expect in zelda no, I'm games i'm pretty sure they cracks them too uh they did not because i looked up several guides some of which were the game boy color ones and the screenshots did not have the cracks and they're really? like hit your sword against the wall a lot and see which one makes a different noise oh wow okay interesting and i'm pretty sure in those guys it also said the owls were new but no, anyway. I distinctly remember in, inside the dungeons, those owls were there. Distinctly, distinctly remember they were that. good. Yeah, 100%. anyway, so yeah, that definitely helped. The telephone guy, as useless as his things were, were still sometimes helpful. I did spend eight dollars for in-flight Wi-Fi today in order to make sure that I could figure out Dungeon Eight, 
because there were a couple things in Dungeon 8 that I, I missed one bombable wall somewhere in an area where there was a shadow and I couldn't see the cracks and then the glare from the airplane window and it was Aah! excuses excuses so I spent eight bucks on that Dungeon 7 almost made me shoot myself in the head because it was just like a mind fuck of a, of a dungeon but I, I enjoyed the game a lot. It was a lot. great dungeon, though. I enjoyed it a lot. Seven and eight are the most memorable for me. I love those dungeons. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it a lot. I like it, Holden. Thank you for letting me play that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also had a, I'm having a grand old time with it right now. Uh, the I'm grand old like, Opry? <laughs> the grand old Opry. Trying to find all the secret seashells and trying to do like everything. Trying to get all the hard pieces. So, What the uh, fuck are the seashells for? I got a lot of them. Uh, but uh, every, you get the says, level two sword it? with it. You get the level two sword with it. Where? I've been everywhere there's on a, the map. There's a mansion, the sea cell mansion. Did you did you find that? Nope. There's a mansion, and you go there, and he says, "Stand on here." We'll basically weigh out the seashells you have, and once like, the meter fills up, they give you the sword. Oh. I well, I chose it. the uh, strength power up anyway in the color dungeon, which was a cool dungeon. I like that dungeon. But all the same yeah. bosses that you've come to fight before as well. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Um, I do think it's easier than I remember Link's Awakening being. I feel like bosses were like, all right, for example, the very first boss in Tales in Tail Cave, the little worm guy that like moves around yeah. from also from Hera to, uh, Tower of Hera in Link to the Past. I'd always have a hard time Link against that boss world. when I first played against him. I always fell off and have to go and climb back up and go back in the boss room again. Beat him my first try without getting hit this time, and I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be a much easier game. And it is. And I should have done hero mode. And I kind of regret not doing hero mode. You've got so first. much time, Holden. I got so much You are only 26? 24? 20, 26 years 26 old. 26 years old? See, you got in the first guess, but you went high-pitched and then second-guessed yourself? No, I was uh, going to sneeze. I was holding back a sneeze. <laughs> uh, what got me in this game the most is the music. Is First of all, it's like, it is the same music that was in... Link's Awakening on the Game mm-hmm. Boy, but it's fully orchestrated and sounds gorgeous. Holy shit. It sounds so good. It's just hearing some of the kind of um, the, the the dungeon melodies that even kind of harken back to the original Zelda game. Hearing those like with or, orchestra, uh, or, orchestral music, blah. Huge, huge, huge highlight. I mean, the visual style is like the obvious like, oh, wow, it looks so much better. It looks great. This is one of the best art styles in Zelda so far. But the music, man... That yeah. music, so good. Clang, clang, clang with the trolley. The music, man. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think the music, there's a really cool thing that they do during the credits where they play like the orchestrated soundtrack and then they weave in the like eight, like the chiptune version from the Game Boy. Oh, do they really? And then they, awesome. like, they like go back and forth so you can kind of see the difference. It's like the switching between the old Halo and the new remastered yeah. Halo. Uh, and so I think that is like a metaphor or an analog to the game as a whole because it is, for what it's worth, a shot-for-shot remake of the Game Boy version with almost no changes whatsoever, except Mm -hmm. it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. Um, Let's talk about some things I don't like about it. There are very few. Um, one actually, one thing is the fr- it was, some people are complaining about the frame rate. It's not a problem. It's super not an issue. I noticed it a couple of times. There was some slowdown, but it was honestly like for one second, maybe six times throughout the game. Yep. It also never happens in dungeons, so that didn't really bother me. But that fucking crane game. Oh man, I got, I was a pro at that game. How 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 is anyone a pro at that game? 
I it's like dude. the worst game inside of one of the best games. Ever. No, dude, it's so fucking easy. I went there to farm rupees like nothing. I was like, oh man, that bow cost nine hundred and eighty. Cool. Let me go on the crane game. Purple, got it. Red, got it. Out in. Purple, got it. Red, got it. Out in. I just did that over and over and over until I got. Okay, so when you pick up the rupee, I never got one for any rupees at all. But when you pick one up, it doesn't try to fall out. I mean, it it's did like, like one out of every sixteen times. Because my strategy was okay, pick it up. Move it over like half an inch. It's going to fall out. That's okay. It's closer than it was before. <laughs> Do it again. Grab the item. An inch this time. Awesome. Even closer than it was before. Do it again. And it just over and over. I would say I had maybe awful. a 95% success rate with it. I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. It was already annoying minigame in the original game of the Game Boy. And they said, hey, let's be faithful and make it. Even more obnoxious. Can I tell and you also how great I am at it? The moving platforms in the back when occasionally they would have something. I don't something even want to hear. It. I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> when they had like the 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 Goomba was back there, and then they had the uh, uh, they had a seashell in there a couple times, and I was just like, I got the seashell, and I, I got like, the piece of heart. I wonder. Yeah. Oh yeah, the pieces of heart. They had a couple, of and I was like, I wonder how hard this will be. First try, got it. I was like, oh, all right. I figured out the pattern and how long I have to wait, and then I just. Over and over and over. <laughs> I took my headphones off so I didn't have to hear the rest of that because it's painful. And then I whipped my hair back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I know. I en- ended up getting the Yoshi dog, so you you need that for the trading game, which you also yep. need to do to act, uh, complete certain parts of the game. Um, but yeah, it's magical. Uh, I, my goal is after we finish recording, I'm just going to power through it and beat it tonight. Uh, I just you're going to send me your audio first, though. Yes. Mm, maybe. Bitch, this better go out at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> and then uh, I'm just I'm just loving it. There I'm was one more thing I had to say that was negative about it, but I can't remember what it was. Did you do the chamber dungeons at all? Nope, didn't fucking touch that with a stick. I went and talked, I went to, and talked to him and, and he said, hey, you can do this thing. And I said, bye. Yep. <laughs> I did here. get the crane game. I was like, oh, there's a chamber dungeon in the back. I might as well get it. So I got that off one of the moving platforms. I was like, all right. You're not gonna so go good at it. I'm not I know. It's like might as well. I'm here and it's on a hundred percent success rate. So I like almost don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, but I never gave it to Dompe, so who the fuck cares? Poor Dompe. Yeah. Let's move on. Great. Moving on to our fetch quests. We have a couple of things. Uh by the time you listen to this, this will be irrelevant, but The Last of Us 2 will be present at Sony's State of Fit Play September twenty-fourth. That is today if you're listening to this. I just want to say I'm excited. That's just that's that's yeah. why it's there. I'm, just, I'm, excited. I'm excited. It is happening at the same time as a Last of Us media event. So I'm yeah. sure after State of Play we'll have some impressions from all the yeah. media outlets. To be clear, I don't give a shit if they show gameplay or not. I really don't. I just want a release date so I can know when I'm gonna finally fucking play the game. Because I'm all so right. excited for it. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, there's awesome. a little part of me that's saying don't even watch the gameplay. Just Who knows the if there's going to be gameplay? There's probably going to be gameplay. They're going to show apparently three hours of gameplay to... To the um, media. To the media. And if they yeah. do that, they're going to show something. But we probably won't get all three hours of the gameplay. I don't, I don't mean to call you out on this, because you are an American. Yeah. But you just said the word something with a P in it, and that reminded something. me of... Did I, just, something, did I just do that? Something, yeah. Something, yeah. Something, something's not right here. Something, <laughs> something. Uh, and I tweeted, it was like, how how weird or difficult must it be to people who are learning English as a second language to see the word something and then seeing people pronounce or hearing people pronounce it something and they're like, 
I don't, I don't fucking get it. Where is the pee coming from? <laughs> the the reason is uh, a lot of Americans are dumb, including myself. <laughs> and we don't give a shit. We just say the word. Next it. up, Borderlands Three sales eclipse five million copies in first five days on the market. Woo! It is killing me, killing me that I haven't had time to play that this week. I'm dying here. I've been fine. I haven't played any of it, and I've been great. Uh, <laughs> Luigi's Mansion 3 is receiving paid DLC. We'll add new content to multiplayer modes. Cool? Question mark? WGD. Saxophone solo. WB Games Montreal appears to be teasing a new Batman game centered around the Court of Owls. Have you read the Court of Owls, Holden? No. It is a dope comic book. You should definitely read it. I think it's free on Comixology. If you decide to like sign up for whatever the one-week trial is, you should do it. It's great. Um, great. I can't wait. I hope it's real. Next up, Microsoft announces Gears 5 is the largest launch title for Xbox Game Studios this generation. Ooh, ooh. Good to see it getting some, some shout-outs. This comes in stark contrast to the sales numbers, which apparently are 20 times lower physical sales than Gears 4 did. But it doesn't matter because they have like three times more players online. So obviously it's all digital game and Game Pass. Pass. Yeah. Yeah. It's all Game Pass is what it is. <laughs> yep. And then PS4 sales in the United States surpassed 30 million units. Total? In the United States. So Yes. The United States accounts for less than half of all, like, a th- less than a third of all PS4 sold? Europe, uh, Europe's a really big market for Sony. Damn. Because even Japan is, like, a small market for them now since handheld culture is such a big thing. That's surprising to me. Huh. Now you know, because that's my super short show. Speaking of short shows, Google's got a short reference. show. <laughs> you do, you Disney Channel I neophyte. Do. What is a neophyte? I just said that because it was a word that came to mind. What's that, Siri? Hey, Siri, what's a neophyte? <laughs> Hopefully something appropriate. A neophyte is a plant species which is not native to a geographical region and was introduced in recent history. I didn't hear it. from Wikipedia. Do you want me to keep reading? No, thanks. Um, what is it? I only listened to like half of it, but maybe like something new that was introduced to a geographical region but is now part of it. I don't know. Oh, that's like a species. That, that makes like sense. That. That's applicable to what you just used it as. Probably. I don't even remember the segue. Google announces Play Pass <laughs> subscription service. This comes from Rebecca Valentine at Game Industry. Dot, games plural industry. Dot biz. Game, games industry? I think it's game industry. Dot biz. I don't know. I just Nope, it's here. games industry. Um, this is in direct competition to Apple's Arcade, which we will talk about all over our main quest. Hold out, you little pony boys. Uh, <laughs> it is $4.99, same price as Apple Arcade, with a couple of differences. This includes 350 games that are already present on the games and apps that are already present on the Google Play Store. Um, and that includes things ranging from like Monument Valley 2 uh, to like weather apps, like AccuWeather and fitness and music. There's a 10 day free trial, and if you pay for a year subscription, it's $2 a month instead of $4.99 a month. Um, We'll talk about Apple Arcade more later. What are your first impressions of this? First of all, I think it's strange that it's not just games, that it's also other random apps included with it, some that you might already probably have. And then Mm -hmm. also, these games aren't, like, guaranteed exclusive 
to play pass. And I think that that also changes the, the dynamic of it. So, like, just to tease a little bit, one of the things I like about Apple Arcade is that when I go to it, every game I see is something I've never experienced before. Or at least is a new version of a game that I have experienced before. Yeah. It's all new is the point. And this is like, cool, I spent $5 and I'm going to get access to Monument Valley 2 and AccuWeather. Awesome? I just don't, like, I, I need to see more of the selection, but it's going to do fine, I'm sure. But it doesn't, ha- it seems more like a response to Apple Arcade than a serious competitor. Cool. I think it's also uh, not competing with it because it's not on iOS. Right. I'm actually very positive about it. So positive, I think I dropped my eye on. No, damn you have I screwed up the joke. I screwed up the joke. I was going to say I dropped my electron, which makes me a positively charged ion. God damn it. <laughs> oh. So, uh, no, I'm actually I'm very positive on it. I think this is a good thing because one of the things like uh, uh, dust... Oh, what is his icon on the eggs? It was an egg in a frying pan. Dusty E. Egg Hill tweeted at us, Hey, <laughs> will one of you guys play Exit the Dungeon so that I can live vicariously through you Apple Arcade folks? Because he's got a lowly Android phone. Um, let's just take a moment of silence for him. Hey, I had an Android phone. There's nothing wrong with it. I think you uh, misunderstood the definition of moment of silence. I just am not agreeing to the moment of silence. If he likes Android, <laughs> it's not a moment of silence for him. No, that's great. So this is great for them to be able to experience this kind of stuff, too. I think that it is weird to put weather, music, and fitness, and that's clearly just so they can say, we have 350 things, whereas Apple is saying we have 100+. plus. Uh, one of the things I don't know, because I haven't explored the lineup of Google, uh, one of the things that I, I, I'm cautious about is that when I play Apple Arcade, every single thing I play, no matter whether I like the game or not, it is impeccable quality. Like, it is a yeah. quality, well-made game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we can say the thing, because it's all retroactive. They're just, like, picking and choosing shit that happens to be on the Google Store. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're going to get the same experience on Google. I assume they've done some kind of um, research into these things and selections. They just had a random algorithm that just went through and just plucked a few. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then they got him. No, so I don't know I'm excited. About. I'm excited. I like it. Also, I don't not like it. I just don't think that it's going to be as high quality as Apple Arcade. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But right now we're talking about Google announcing Stadia Premier Edition as Stadia Founders Edition almost sells out, says Jonathan Dornbush at IGN. Uh, Founders Edition is almost gone, and the Premier Edition is going to replace that. Still costs the same price, $129, if you want to jump in and play this November. It comes with almost all the same stuff, too. comes with the Chromecast Ultra for 4K playing on HDR. comes with three months of Stadia Pro. It comes with the white controller instead of the limited edition Midnight Blue, however, or Night Blue. Uh, the only things you don't get access to, you don't get early access to username selection, so you can't reserve your game name. And then you don't get the Buddy Pass, so someone else can't play with you for three months of Stadia Pro. This You also is... can't have any friends unless you get the Founder's That's edition. right. In fact, no if, you, if you don't have the Founders Edition, you have to break up with all your friends. <laughs> I have to send them a Dear John or Dear Jane or Dear... Ja- J- What's the gender-neutral version of John or Jane? June? J- sure, June, yeah. John, Jane, and June. But spelled J-O-O-N-E. <laughs> with a silent H and then a P in the middle. It's a Japoon. 
No, that's a Shapoon. vagina. Um, <laughs> so this to me screams, hey, we made a limited number of founders editions so that we can control server access at launch and we know exactly how many people to prepare for and we were maybe a little conservative in our estimates and we can support a few more people. So we're going to go back on our promise of all this exclusivity and you have to be a founders member to play and be like, hey, we can still make some money off you, you has Pay for the premiere edition and you also get it because we have more server space than we thought. So that's what this says to me. We'll see how it goes in November, whatever the fuck, whenever it launches. Do we have a date for it yet? No, not yet. Just November. We don't have a date. It is two months out. We'll get another Stadia Connect next month. It is less than two months out. Well, depending on when it comes out in November. Hi, Ligashiza. It is not coming out Thanksgiving week. I can tell you that. That would be hilarious. Ignore your family members. We told you to break up with them anyway. <laughs> no, they only said friends. Next friends up is our Sony too. Quest log. Friends are the family you choose. Family is the True. family you're stuck with. <laughs> Sony Hashtag Quest log. Positive outlooks. <laughs> positive Microsoft outlooks. Confirmed PS5 info. We've got a couple of stories about PlayStation 5, including the first one here saying PlayStation 5 will include power-saving feature to tackle climate change. IGN staff says at IGN. Interesting that it's credited as IGN staff. Yeah, I literally went back to the, like the main page of the article to see, like, oh, they must have just must have been like a weird glitch in Instant Paper or something like that. No, it says written by IGN staff on the article. All right, Sony and yeah. the UN are teaming up for playing for the planet. Jim Ryan, CEO of SIE, says the next generation PlayStation console will include the possibility to suspend gameplay with much lower power consumption than PS4, which we estimate can be achieved at around 0.5 watts. For those who don't know, the ability to just like press the PlayStation home button or the, the PlayStation button on your controller, suspend the game, and then go to rest mode actually does use power in the background um, mm-hmm. to keep your save game there. Including uh, Holden, rest mode. I believe. You have prepared a rant for us? Yeah, so in the article they said that IGN made it seem like, and quote, the gaming is, quote, notorious for its carbon footprint, which I've never heard this before. And they made this very strange comparison that American gamers emit uh, 12 million tons of carbon dioxide annually, which is the equivalent of 2.3 million cars. And that does sound like, whoa, that's a lot. But then you look into the numbers a little bit, and there are 272.48 million cars on the road and 225 million drivers on the road. And there are two-thirds of Americans play games, which basically means the number of people who drive cars and people who play games is a comparable amount. And the fact that they account for only 2.3 million of what the cars do means they're not doing bad. And I wouldn't consider it that they're notorious for their carbon footprint. It might be better to make a comparison to other technology and how other technology is better or worse than uh than game consoles are yeah for like the meat emissions. industry all <laughs> no, the fucking like, cows farting have, i meant more like how like just desktop computers not used for gaming like that kind of thing but like it's just, just such an odd statement i just had to throw it out there i just can't stand this stuff because climate change i do think is a problem and stuff like this doesn't help it kind of hurts because it makes the arguments sound ridiculous i just wanted to say that nice in a similar story, there's one here that I am not familiar with. Xbox announces Xbox consoles will be carbon neutral, says Joseph Noop at IGN. Uh, what is what is this about? 825,000 so, will be made? 
Yeah, so this is – it was very vague. Um, but essentially it sounds like they're saying the manufacturing process to make these consoles will be carbon neutral and only 825,000 of these will be made with that carbon neutral process. Now, that's interesting in and of itself. Here's an interesting takeaway from this, though. 825,000, they're singling that out, means that there's, they're going to make more than that, right? Mm-hmm. They sold 1 million Xbox consoles on the first like weekend or something like that. Yeah, I think it was the first day. I think both consoles sold a million. Yeah. And to me, this says that they're going to be making a lot more consoles. Because if 825,000 is the large portion of what they're making is carbon neutral, why wouldn't they just include the rest? I'm assuming that the it's a smaller percentage that are going to be carbon neutral as they test the process and then ramp it up for the rest of the development cycle. Do you think... The manufacturing so cycle. The, the title says Microsoft announces Xbox consoles will be carbon neutral. Do you think that's talking about like future Xbox One S's that it's making, or is it next gen? They specifically said next-gen, the, the okay. next Xbox, the new Xbox models. But again, the article was kind of vague. Cool. But yeah, it's interesting. So we'll see. That is interesting. Save the planet, y'all. Save the cheerleaders. Save the world. I'm Hiro Nakamura. I'm here to save your life. <laughs> <laughs> Heroes was underrated for the first season, and then it just fell off a cliff. Yeah, I'm glad you add that qualifier, because I just thought season two was such crap, I stopped watching it. Yeah. Although maybe season three and four are better, I have no idea. I didn't even. Kristen Bell, what a fucking cutie! I love was her. She, was she in Heroes? Yeah, she was the girl with the electricity power. Really, I don't remember her being that at all. Yeah, I Hayden Panettiere being in it, but not Kristen. Oh, she Bell. was a cheerleader. Kristen Bell, I think, was introduced either towards the end of season one or in season two. Yeah, she uh, has electricity powers. There's some more unconfirmed PS5 news. There's a rumor coming says PS5 Pro will launch alongside the base station PlayStation 5. The base shut up. There's no station there. Base the PlayStation base. 5. <laughs> says Chandler like you Wood. put below yeah, PlayStation your PlayStation lifestyle. 5 to power it. That's right. Source comes uh, from a Japanese journalist Zenji Nishikawa, who's here to save your life. <laughs> First <laughs> Heroes was underrated for the first season. (laughs) (laughs) Who first leaked the existence of the Switch Lite, so he has a track record. In 2020, Sony will apparently release both the PS5 and the PS5 Pro. And I believe somewhere in this article they mentioned the reasoning being, we want people to have this option from day one rather than having to wait two years to buy the Pro version of it and buy a second console. Yeah. What? So this, this makes me question... Well, the specs we've seen, is that the standard PS5 or is that the Pro? So like 8K, 120 frames per second for the Pro model, but the PS5 normal will just be 4K, 60 or something like that. Like, What does that mean? Is the solid state hard drive going to be only in the PS5 Pro but not in the other one? What does this mean? No, no. They've been been talking about that hard drive. It's got to be in both. Who knows? We didn't know they were going to do a PS5 and a PS5 Pro. Zenji Nishikawa knows. (laughs) <laughs> remember the storyline where he went back in time and he had to fucking like in samurai times and it was boring as shit <laughs> that was actually when i stopped watching the show is that that oh, specific it was plot awful line. it was so dumb um this is it's one of those things where i can totally see it happening but it's it feels weird I'm all I'm all for it. If I pay six or seven hundred dollars at launch for the pro version instead of being the normal ass self that I am and buy the regular and then buy the pro again, 
I'd be 100% down for that. Consider this from a development perspective. It is already tough for developers to start on a new console because they don't know what they can get out of that console, uh, what the limitations of it are, all this, all these factors. Throwing two consoles into the ring and saying, hey, the launch is like coming up soon. It's a shorter cycle than it was last time. How's that going to play out? Maybe that's why we're seeing more cross-gen titles because I have no idea. I don't it, know. This whole thing is very strange to me. We we said the same exact thing about when the pro consoles were rumored. I'm like, it's going to be so much worse. Another version of the game they're going to have to make for pro consoles, and it turns out that it's not that tough. But they had already known what the PS4 was capable of, and this was yeah. kind of just nudging a little bit further, whereas this is saying, hey, nudge further. Oh, then at the same time, nudge even further. Yeah. Scale it, bruh. Scale it. Scale. God, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped for next gen. I just want so much shit. Do you think they're going to reveal it tomorrow during State of Play? <laughs> no, they're not. 100% they already said not. They 100% said no. <laughs> we're not going to have any of our next gen plans. God, I'm so excited, Holden. Oh, my God. Finally, tonight, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Quest log. Before we get to our main quest, calm down, little baby birds. Did you skip something? No, I didn't skip anything. Yes, you did. Sony oh. unveils PS- yeah, VR sorry. Uh, Sony also unveiled the new PSVR Mega Pack. Uh, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. It's more great games bundled with PSVR currently in Europe for 230 euros. It's a great deal. 230 euros means it'll probably be 230 here in the U.S. Skyrim, Astrobot um, Rescue Mission, Resident Evil 7, and the highlight, Everybody's Golf VR. That's a good package. Just saying. That's a really good package. That's a good deal. Yep. It's a good package. That's it's what she said. Package. Now we can talk about Nintendo. Next Channel. up, Nintendo's Quest Log. Second Nintendo Switch Lite teardown. Hints at different analog stick design from Damien McFerrin at Nintendo Life. There was a, a teardown of Nintendo, Nintendo Switch Lite that showed that the thumbsticks were almost nearly identical to the ones in Joy-Cons that notoriously have Joy-Con drift issues. And everyone was like, oh shit, Switch Lite, Switch Lite might have Joy-Con drift. And then Retro Future noticed a new teardown, and they have new metal casings under the stick that could be related to the drift issue. It's, is it going to happen or is it not? Is your Switch going to drift? Is your Switch not going to drift? You can't just get new Joy-Cons this time because they're built into the goddamn. Either way, Switch Lite is going to... The repairs for stick drift on Switch Lite will cost more than, obviously, the just original Joy-Con, at least in Japan. Getting a Switch Lite's joysticks fixed will cost 48.60 yen as opposed to 21.60 yen for a single Joy-Con or 43.20 yen for two Joy-Cons with a soft yay. You would think that they... Do you think they know what causes it? Or they're just fucking stumped and they're like, I don't fucking know. Just anyone who says they have it, just throw them a new Joy-Con and hope it doesn't happen again. So that's why I think it's interesting that we had two different uh, teardowns that had two different results. Maybe they're not sure, like you said, how to fix it. So they have, let's just put the regular one out there because you know that works. Let's put this fix out there as two different kind of iterations of it. If there are issues, we'll track by serial number to know which one it was that we made. And we'll try to figure out if we can solve it from there. It'd be odd. I've never heard of a company doing something like that. But we also did just see two teardowns that had two different results, which we've, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, me ever. neither. I've never once heard of that. So, I don't know. Sometimes you, it's common for smartphones to have like modems or things like that from different companies within the same similar models. But thumbsticks, this is like this is input yeah, controls. That's yeah, funny. I've heard different processors because those are harder to get. But thumbsticks pretty standard. We do have a first reported case of drift, though, on, on the Switch Lite. This came, like, literally an hour before we started recording. Um, there's footage of a Switch Lite experiencing drift with the Breath of the Wild gameplay. It's a video. You can watch it on YouTube. It's there. Um, 
So maybe they didn't fix it, or maybe he had the version of the Switch Lite that had the older design, but he didn't have the new one, or he had the new one and that one sucks too. Uh, well, it turns out, don't play Breath of the Wild. Have you noticed all these, every time someone's like, oh, look, I have the drift issue, they always show Breath of the Wild every single time. I've never seen an yep. example. Maybe the issue is Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is, 100%. Breath of the Wild is always the problem. All right, we're going to wrap up and move on to our main quest. This is the must-play Apple Arcade games. Holden and I have been playing Apple Arcade for a week now. A week. Yeah. Uh, We're going to talk about our experiences with it. I farted again. We're going to talk about (laughs) (laughs) what games we think you should play, which is kind of a misnomer because there are so many fucking games that are great, and there's no way we played all of them. So obviously there are going to be some that we've missed, but we have some great recommendations. First... Let's do a rundown real quick of what Apple Arcade entails. Yes. Apple Arcade currently is like 70 plus games and ballooning very quickly. When it started it last week, 50, it was like 50. 70. Yeah, yeah, in a week. It went up 20 games. It's a lot. Uh, and it'll be 100 this fall. Uh, 100 plus this fall. They are games that are mobile exclusive to... It's weird. And some of them fit this. Some of them are more strict. But mobile exclusive to Apple products. Uh, so you won't see these appear in other mobile operating systems like Google Play, and you won't see them. Um, you won't see them in other subscription services as well. Weird, but sure, cool, great. Well, like for example, Sayonara Hearts is on Switch and I think Xbox as well, but it'll never be in Xbox Game Pass. Uh, it just launched on Switch and Apple Arcade. Okay, it wasn't Xbox as well. I don't. Know I, it was I don't Xbox think it was. Well. Hypothetically, um, if it were, it wouldn't be an Xbox Game Pass. Right. Yeah. You get all this for four ninety nine a month for a family of up to six people, all sharing the subscription, which is dope. You get a month free to try it out, which is dope. You get seamless integration between iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, and Mac, which is dope with an asterisk because you need the new operating systems, and it's only out on iPhone right now, unless you're running betas. Um, but actually, probably by the time this launch, or you're listening to our episode, iPad OS will be out. Yeah, because I think it's 24th. Yeah, which is today, if you're listening to this today, the first day. Mm-hmm. So um, that's dope. And that's basically, it's tied into the App Store. There's just an arcade section. You can see all the games you get. Um, Holden, before we talk about the games, talk me through like the like the, the process of finding games, of getting games, of playing. What's your experience been with it? It's already improved, actually. So when I first went into Apple Arcade, uh, when the, the beta version of it launched before this official launch, it just was kind of either like, here's some highlights, here's another like little row you can scroll through and then see all the games. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be kind of hard to find stuff. But you can search and it'll still pop up in the App Store. Um, but now they have categories, so you can actually look by category now. And it's one of those things of it's... The, the, the only thing that makes it tough to find games is every game you pass looks like a compelling game. Yeah. And then you go to look at the preview of it and they immediately show you a little video... And, and like has like the kind of the background cover art is a little video like it's a trailer of the game and you're like fuck that game looks really good I want to play that one next I'm not even gonna go bother to look at the other games I just want to play that one now that happened to me a lot um, but here's something that's kind of different about browsing the games is when you go to the app store you go to the arcade section you look at a game it does something I wish they do for more things in the app store is they show you like I'm looking at Cat Quest right now you scroll down a little bit and immediately says the age rating the category it's in. If it's multiplayer or not, what developer it's from, the language, the size. It was so easy to find all that information. And I like seeing the file size of a game before I download. I like knowing if it's going to be multiplayer or not. Um, yeah, they have like those those 
right at the top of the page, they have all those little icons. Category, adventure. Yeah. Players, one. Like It's with the iconography. Yeah. So I think they make it really easy to find these games, and they make it easy as well just to kind of see what the game is before you download it. But the thing is that it's free to download it, so you might as well just download it and try it out. Yep. The only um, limitation is storage size on your phone. Yeah. And I'm I'm good there, so we're yep. good. Um, but I wanted to talk about the games, because I've been really floored. Hold on, that- hold on, hold on. I want oh, to talk about Chad. the experience as well. God damn no, it. No, we can't do that, Chad. One thing that I love, I, I feel like already discoverability is going to be a hurdle, and I'm I'm positive in my expectations about how they'll handle it because as you mentioned you're seeing like the full screen videos playing as backgrounds and things like that but they've already started curating collections of things like they have start Mm -hmm. your journey so games that are like obviously going to be like rpg focused uh they have things that new arrivals which is going to be important because you're going to come back to this every couple of days and you're like what's new what's dropped on this um but they also have like a curated section for you based on you know whatever the the algorithms are so you can already see based on what you're playing like it'll like up next in M- apple music or something like that or articles and news it's like based on your play style your things that we think you would like which i think is super cool um i think it's really really great there are a ton of really great stuff uh multiplayer games action games for beginners puzzle really great categories all around i'm very impressed with the like browsing experience on Apple Arcade. And of course, you can always hit just the see all button and just scroll through an enormous list of games as well. Let's talk about them games, Holden. Yeah. Can I just say it off the bat right now? The one game that I'm like, if you get this, the first game you have to download is What the Golf. Definitely. Everyone get What the Golf. Everyone get it. I honestly don't want to talk about it too much because it's like the fun of it is just experiencing it and seeing the first level, first few levels play out and just... It's one of the only casual games I've openly laughed out loud while playing. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's very much like a uh, Rick and Morty style humor. In fact, you can even see in the like the background of some of the episodes, you see like the "Show me what you got" guy from Rick and Morty in the background as well. <laughs> um, and it's it start. It's all about subverting expectations. Yeah, absolutely. When you think you've got to figure it out trips you up and makes you fucking pee your pants with laughter. And it continues to do that as well. Hmm continuously i kind of thought okay this is going to wear thin pretty soon like no but it didn't yet (laughs) (laughs) it didn't and i gave it to my niece who's seven we were just in the car driving to some place and i just like hey danny play this what the golf game and she's like okay what is this i was like it's golf and she the very first thing you do you shoot the golf ball off the side of the cliff every time every person it's what you do and it's like oh okay and then go the other way and then it gets the one with the person she's like what what is going on it's like (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she yep. likes it. Yeah. She's like, this yep. game is ridiculous. And then she was addicted. She wasn't doing anything else for the next, like, hour. Yeah. So it starts off that way, and you kind of go, you know, this game's really easy, but I'm having a fun time with it because it's great, and it's fun, and it's quirky and weird, and then it gets really challenging because you can go back to each golf post. As you're kind of exploring the little world, you go to the golf post, and you can play, a, like, a, a the normal level, like an on-par level, and then, like, a crown level. Right. And they get really difficult so it's really balances casual play with humor and i want a difficult experience it does it brilliantly it's it's kind of a perfect mobile game it really is you can play a level immediately like in in five seconds you can play one of the harder levels in like we're just trying it over and over with like 10 to 15 seconds per play it's great it's perfect for mobile Mm -hmm. Uh, all of these games perfect for mobile so far yeah so what the golf absolutely get it 
one that I right off the bat want to say, play it whether you play it here or on Switch, play Sayonara Wild Hearts. I played it. I haven't I, played that one yet. I played it and beat it. It is gorgeous. It is like a uh, a neon line art kind of crystalline, crystalline structure, kind of really dope looking game. It is as they described it in the media or the the event. It's a playable music video is how they describe it. Every level is like thirty to thirty seconds to a minute long. Um, it's really cool. It starts out kind of simple. It's just like you're switching between lanes on a track, avoiding obstacles, collecting hearts. But then as you go, you start to battle and then you're switching between first person view and third person view, 2D side scrolling. It's like seamlessly switching throughout and then you get to later levels in the game. And it's all, again, about subverting expectations. There are so many times where like the screen would completely flip around and you do something new and I would just, my face would light up and I'm like, whoa, that was really cool. Or that's a really <laughs> great implementation of so-and-so mechanic that I would have never seen coming. So I highly recommend playing. It's maybe an hour to beat the whole thing. Oh wow! Okay, um, I it is worth noting that I played all of this on my iPad Pro, twelve point nine inch iPad Pro, and god damn, is that a beautiful device to play all of this on? <laughs> that giant screen! Oh my god! Especially on the plane where I paired my, uh, I brought a DualShock Four with me and paired that and just propped my my iPad up. And I was just playing Oceanhorn and Where Cards Fall and all that. Kind of, I was oh my god! What a great fucking portable gaming device this is going to be! I can't wait. Um, so Oceanhorn, I played the first area of it, but I kind of said, let me do Link's Awakening first, and then I'll come back to Oceanhorn and really invest some time in that. But when I played a bit. I'm like, this is a good game. It's yeah. not like that's not Zelda level of you know uh of, of hype and expectation like don't get that hyped about it but it's a big step up from the original ocean horn game it's a huge step up it yeah. feels like fully 3d worlds you're exploring you're panning a camera around and it feels good yep i with sayonara wild hearts and ocean horn 2 i was i started playing the games and i'm like oh this is pretty good this is pretty good but i the touch controls didn't quite click for me so sayonara wild hearts about moving lanes and i was like it kind of felt like I was dragging and the character wasn't going as far as I wanted her to. Like, really low tracking speed on a trackpad. And you're like, have to drag 30 times to get your mouse to the top of the screen. That's kind of how it felt like. But then I put a DualShock in my hand for both games and it immediately clicked. So I was like, oh, this is a premium AAA gaming experience now. Because Yeah, I haven't done that with stick on it yet. You yeah. absolutely should. Because I was like, this I, is fine, but I can't see myself playing it. And then I immediately went to, cool, I'm going to beat this game now with a DualShock 4 and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, I didn't think the touch controls in Ocean Horn 2 were that bad. Like, comparing it to other kind of, like, like uh, Aerolon, if you played Aerolon a while ago. No. Like, a long time ago. That was kind of like a game that was trying to do the whole, like, big RPG where you're in a 3D world and using the dual sticks but on a touchscreen. This, I think, handles it better than other games that I have played. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure in a DualShock, it's way better. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad with touch controls. It just it felt more like a mobile game that I wasn't going to play because it was yeah. like, okay, I can get something better than this on a different... Mm-hmm platform but now i can with the dualshock god damn fucking great for ps4 and xbox one controllers on apple tv and ipad and iphone yes <laughs> um one game i am so i shit my pants when i saw it was available i was so fucking excited i've gone on about how i love mini metro mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, mini metro mm-hmm. is a great game they have the successor from the developers is available on here it's called mini motorways and it's a great twist on Mini Metro. If you've played Mini Metro already, guaranteed you're going to love this game. Guaranteed. There's no way you won't. You're going to love the way you play. I guarantee it. <laughs> it's 
basically what it is is you have blue uh, you have like a yellow industrial like building or commercial building that's like mm-hmm. a mall or something like that and then you'll have a yellow house and you have to link the yellow house with a set number of road tiles you have to that shopping center and you have to have a certain number a certain amount of traffic going to that store and continually buying things otherwise you'll lose out of the whole game but eventually you have red houses going to red areas and blue houses going to blue areas and a ton of yellow houses in one area and you have to like link them all together with a finite number of roads that you have so it's like kind of like making city planning a fast-paced mobile experience and it's fantastic it looks gorgeous it's just it's so so good it's one of those like if you want to really think about something and kind of like solve a puzzle that's not the same puzzle every single time it's a great version of one of those kind of games i know you love puzzles chad so you will love love puzzles love many motorways but speaking of puzzles tell me about spec because you yeah spec did you play it i played the 10 levels of it i got to the blue area and then I didn't have time. I want to play other things. Yeah. So Spec is a perspective style puzzle game that also eventually adds in physics elements to it as well. And that's it, after level every ten levels, you get to like a new quote unquote world of different objects and challenges. And that's where it really starts to open up. I kind of would equate it almost like Echo Chrome from the early PS3 days. Oh yeah. Remember that we had to like have that. like the little. Yeah wooden person mm-hmm. walk and you had to rotate the levels so they could walk on the right path and this is similar to that where you have a little ball going around an object you have to rotate the object so that the perspective of your goal and the ball line up you and also then, have different objects that are combining together the perspective to link it between which is right. very clever and the objects are really cool in that you don't see the entire outline of every edge you only see it i don't even know how to describe it like you only see the silhouette outline you don't see like, if it's yeah, a you cube, see, you don't see yeah. every single corner of the cube. No. You only see the silhouette of it. But you can still tell it's a cube. It's very clever. And yeah. Although it shows its world. Yeah. Uh, so that is a game that is excellent for just, like, quick puzzle solving, and then suddenly the physics elements get into it, and you have to, like, oh, I have to move my guy over here. There, and then there are, like, little um, enemy little blots that start to go and show up, and you have to they start to follow you. You have to avoid them. All sorts of different puzzle stuff. It's great. But then, as I was quitting it, they didn't advertise this anywhere on the beginning. As I was quitting it, I hit the X button, and it was like AR mode. I was like, what? There's augmented reality mode of this? And you find a flat surface, and then there are like 3D shapes in your room, and you're moving your iPad around, moving your iPhone around, doing the same shit in these new levels. It's so freaking cool. Augmented reality blows my mind. Love it. So yeah, spec. Highly recommend. V good. Very, very good. Uh, I also want to um, talk about Where Cards Fall. Have you played this one yet? It. Where no, Cards Fall is from the people who made Alto's Journey, um, the snowboarding one where you're picking up llamas, mm-hmm. uh, which was and, and Alto's Journey 2 or something like that. Anyway. Uh, Alto's Odyssey. Alto's Odyssey. That's it. Yeah. Um, so from them, you can expect a beautiful <laughs> game, great music. Again, absolutely. But there is, this is another like puzzle game where you are trying to get from one area of a of a square map to the other using house of cards. And so like you see little decks Kevin of cards. Kevin Spacey? Yeah, using Kevin Spacey. And your character's a little boy. And Kevin Spacey has to touch the little boy in different ways across the entire map. Um, and that's it. It's a pedophilia simulator. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, you. so you have like a car, a stack of cards on the ground. 
And then you drag it with your finger to where you want it, and then you like do a reverse pinch to open it up. And you can open it up to be a small house of cards, or keep going to be a bigger house of cards that has like more levels to it. And then it's all about like solving the puzzle of how to get to the highest point on the other side of the map. But the it is so satisfying. You know the like the click you get of putting a Joy-Con on your Switch, and you get like the sound yeah. and the feeling, and it all melts together. It's that exact sense of just like this feels so right. When I'm just like reverse pinching and pinching one closed and moving it over here. It is such like a, a game that I sit there and I just I zone out and it just becomes so zen. I'm just dragging these cards around. Make a big house. Shrink it down. Drag it on top. Make a big. It's so good. Uh, I have it downloaded, so I'll play it soon. Yeah. There's some kind of like deep introspective story going on that I'm not bothering to pay attention to just because I'm so enthralled in the gameplay. Um, <laughs> but where cards fall? V recommend. Um, Dustin Epinephron uh, Hill. He yeah. wanted me to play Exit the Gungeon. And Exit the Gungeon, and I did. I played it. I will say this is a uh, disclaimer. I have not played Enter the Dungeon uh, Gungeon before. Me neither. I, I was going it. to put it on Bits of Barf, but then I saw it was sixteen hours long, and I was like, "Oh fuck that, Dusty." <laughs> Um, this was an enjoyable game as well. It has a very, so it has that kind of ape bit art style. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it is, is it sounds like it's after enter the gungeon at the end of it. And now you are exiting that gungeon by taking this elevator up and the elevator kind of makes stops occasionally. So you kind of go to these little side areas where you fight some enemies, but it is, I don't know how similar this is to, uh, enter the gungeon, but you're basically moving around a kind of finite area well, it auto shoots at enemies, and you're just avoiding their their attacks by literally dodging into them. So you have like all these like it's like a bullet hell kind of game with all yeah. these bullets flying at you, and you have to like dodge the bullets by jumping towards them, or jumping up towards them, or down towards them, side to side towards them. Um, it's fucking hard though. Holy shit! It also manages to feel like a really fast paced game with the touch controls really effectively. I was kind of worried during the tutorial. Where they're kind of teaching you how to play it, and I'm like, ooh, this is not going to scale up very well to hectic gameplay. And it does really well. So I don't know if it's my kind of game, but it definitely feels really well polished and something that you can kind of play over and over again. Yep. So sorry, sorry, Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could tell you it was terrible and, and you're missing out, and you're not missing out, but. But you are. Sounds like it's pretty and good. you'll never see it on your Google because it's exclusive to Apple Arcade. <laughs> you I bet. get an iPad. They're pretty cheap. <laughs> you could, yeah. Or an Apple TV. And yeah. then just enjoy that experience. Pair of DualShock with it. Go. Um, I have two more I want to talk about that I've played. And then a couple more. And then I'll talk about the rest of the games and et cetera. Um, I played Overland. Have you played How that Overland? Overland? No, I have it downloaded. I've heard it's good, though. This is a roguelike... Uh, not zombies, it's, it's aliens. A roguelike alien infestation type. Like, you're surviving as long as you can. Post-apocalyptic, I'm assuming. Post-apocalyptic, yeah. Post-apocalyptic, you're just like, you have to go find a car. You have to get gas for the car. And you have to make decisions about, do I pick up this person on the side of the road? Or could they be a killer? And and then you have to go to the next screen and be like, oh, but there's a car that has more gas or it's a more reliable car. Do I chance it to get out and chance the aliens to go get that car? Um it's screen by screen. Every screen is a square and your character, as you pick up more characters, you get to choose like where they go and what actions they do. And it's like a a movement based grid, which is a turnoff for me most of the time. And it was again for this one as well. 
Um, again, beautiful game, great fluid gameplay, but it's just not my type of game. But what I love about it is that I could still tell this is a fucking good game. This is a quality experience. It's just not the type of experience that I want. Yeah. And then I played Cat Quest 2. <laughs> I saw, you know, when Steven Dutzman came on from EF Gaming, uh, yep. Engaged Family Gaming Podcast, go check him out. When he came on and talked about Cat Quest, I was like, all right, whatever. I have to download this on Switch. And it was like $9. And I never did it because <laughs> I forgot about it completely. But then I saw on Apple Arcade, there was Cat Quest 2. And I was like, oh, fuck. Let me get this shit. And it's two-player. I haven't played with the second player yet, but you can switch between the cats. And it is a it is an accessible jump-right-in RPG. And again, a quality entertainment experience. Enjoyed every single second that I played of it for like maybe 20 minutes before I was like, I've got to try something else too. But uh, I don't see myself returning to that one just because there is so much out there. And I know that that's going to be a time sink. And I have other RPGs to play, like fucking Dragon Quest Eleven coming out. Heroes of the Elusive yeah. Age, Definitive Edition S. Oh my god, that's this Friday, isn't it? That is. And so is The Surge 2. Jeez. Uh, so I played those. <laughs> Great experiences all around with everything I've played. I have two more games. Go. Uh, one is uh, it's Assemble, but for the full name of it. One second. I'll talk about Hexagon. Assembled with Care. Assembled with Care. That's Assemble the one with the, the people same... from Annapurna? What's, what remains to be the Finch? No, no. It's the same people as Monument Valley. Oh, yeah. And it's nothing like Monument Valley at all. It actually, it's a lot more in common with Florence. What a fucking good game. Yeah, this is... It's basically a... I guess it's like a novel kind of style game where, like, they give you a little page with, like, a, a child's book worth of, like, content per page. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like a novel novel. And the main character is narrating herself to you. It's just this trip she's taking to somewhere I f- forgot where. And she fixes things. And each chapter, she meets someone else in the street of this place she's visiting and helps them fix something. And that's like the game mechanic is you fix the stuff. Honestly, it's the only game where I'm like high quality game. Don't get it as a game. Like it's, I'm sure the chapters will go somewhere, but right now every chapter just felt like I meet someone random. I fix their telephone for them. I fix their cassette player for them. Um, it's mechanically sound. There's something wrong with it. I guess when I went into, it, I'm like, Oh, Monument Valley guys, what's this going to be? It's like Florence, but it's not like Florence. I don't have that emotional connection to it quite yet. So I'm going to keep going just because I really appreciate Monument Valley 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that this is going to go somewhere. Um, but it's very different than what I was expecting. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's not Monument Valley. Don't go into expecting Monument Valley. The other one I played was Hexaflip. This was another weird one for me. Where, again, not a bad game by any means. But it's the first game I played where I said, oh... This was supposed to be a mobile game, not on Apple Arcade with microtransactions and everything, and they stripped them out probably because they had like a short amount of time before Apple Arcade came out and they had to make the launch. It is essentially you are a hexagon on top of a hexagon tile platform, and you just literally move by flipping to different hexagon tiles on the map by collecting these beads along the way until you get to the end. It starts off super, super simple, but kind of like all these obstacles you have to avoid along the way. And it's actually a good game, but it's the first one I've played where I'm like, this had microtransactions in it. This 100% had microtransactions in it, and they took them out afterwards. It's so obvious when you play it. Yeah. But it is worth it, I think. It's, it's That's one of the things we like didn't mention. Style, style games. What? All of these games have no extra purchases, no option for microtransactions. Yeah, nothing at all. No asking you to buy 48 gems so you can buy 95 mm-hmm. coins and then use that to buy some yeah. tickets to buy a in-app purchase. Yeah. 
Um, but I think the amazing thing with the platform is the two games was kind of most of like, huh, like this maybe give me a little bit of pause was Assemble and Hexaflip, but both of them are still really good games. I've yet to come yeah. across anything that wasn't a top notch game. And I had expressed to you, and you sent me a story about this, which I'm very thankful for. That I was concerned, how are these developers getting paid? Like five dollars is a great deal for us. Is that a great deal for the indie developers? And the development costs for all these games were paid for by Apple. Uh, not all of them. Uh, it was they so Apple's Apple is producing them, which is like they don't call themselves a publisher, even though in some roles that they are playing the publisher thing. But uh, Apple, yeah. if they agree to be like at launch day and date on Apple Arcade and exclusive on Apple Arcade. Versus yeah. something like Sayonara Wild Hearts, which is both Switch. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like if they're like full 100% Apple Arcade exclusive launch on it, then Apple yeah. covers production costs for it. That's amazing. And the other amazing thing is they don't have the, like the IP remains with the developer. Yeah. Apple just so says, they, hey, we'll pay for your game to get made and then you get all the rights to it. So if they want to make What the Golf 2, it could be on any platform they want it to be on. They don't yep. have to bring it to Apple Arcade. That's, that's a surprising move for a company to make. Yeah. What a goodwill move. Yeah. God, everything so, about the service is blowing me away. I was not expecting to want to play this at all two weeks ago. <laughs> and then they showed Sayonara Wild Hearts and Konami and Capcom and all this stuff at the event. And I was like, oh, they got some big names in there. And then I downloaded it. And now I'm, I'm a believer. I am converted. I have seen the ways of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And through God, all things are possible. <laughs> there are still a couple I, things I, that I, I really played. can't believe... I'm saying that though, but I totally agree with you. It's just, it's kind of, it's, there's nothing wrong with the service. There's nothing wrong with it. Nope. Nothing. When, I think it's been the consensus too of this is the best launch of any gaming platform. Oh, yeah. Ever. Ever. Which is baffling. I have so never baffling. gone into the launch of a platform or a console or anything like that and been like, there are too many great things for me to play right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's That'll the way probably, I feel like this. That's the number yeah. one thing that I'm thinking is that there's just there's way too much that I want to play that I don't know if I'll ever have the time to play, which is a good problem to have. And discoverability is yeah. not an option, not a not a bad thing because I am aware of all the good things that I want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can absolutely justify five dollars a month. I know there will be at least one Sinar Wild Hearts, one Ocean Horn, one What the Golf that I know I'm going to enjoy. And it's a great. They're still like Earth Knight. Do you remember during the Nindies event? Or the, it was mm-hmm. not called Nindies, but something else. It was the Dragon Running Game. Nintendo Indie event or something like that. Just yeah, I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that game. And now I don't have to buy it because it's on arcade. I've already got it downloaded. Yeah. I haven't played it yet, but. So much stuff. So much good shit. So I know we talked about this being the segment where we tell you about all the best games to play on Apple Arcade, but. Obviously, we just named, like, what, 12 great games, and I'm sure there are still 60 other great games out there for you to play. I'm looking at a folder of games that I downloaded just to get ready for this, and I haven't played most of them still. Yep, me too. <laughs> I have a folder on my phone and my, yeah. my iPad. Mm-hmm. Right to go. God! Damn. Damn, it feels good to be a gamer. <laughs> So that's it for Apple Arcade. Let us know your favorite games. Like, tweet at us. Let us know what we should be playing if you're playing along with Apple Arcade. Ripe for bits of barf. Oh yeah. Oh frick yeah, bits of barf, yo, cuh. Yeah, Mm -hmm. bruv. So yeah, if you're playing along on any of your Apple devices, let us know if there's anything we should check out. And we will start. Oh, uh, Dane recommended. Um, what's the Sasquatch one? Sneaky, Sas- sneaky, sneaky, sneaky Sasquatch. Yeah. I've got that one downloaded. I haven't played it yet. So do I. 
Next up, Ryan subscriber interrogatives. It is an empty breeding ground. <laughs> Technically, breeding Exit the Gungeon ground. was a subscriber interrogative. We just wanted yeah, to there you go. with. Uh, so so we had one. Uh, tweet into us. Let us know if you have questions about anything. Games, pornography, uh, <laughs> bread recommendations. Lots of types of bread out there. Uh, at Respawn Name Fire on Twitter, etc. Moving on to Game on Game Show, the Game on a Gaming Show where we play Game on and Game on Game Show, game, 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 game. We've got a new game this week. Ooh. It's a new game with the full title of Game Mag Mad Libs, a literary adventure for excellent fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone and found some NES game manuals. And I have pulled a paragraph from three different game manuals that describe the game. And then I've turned them into Mad Libs for you to fill in. And then we're going to read your Mad Libs version and see if you can guess what game it came from. (laughs) And then I'll read you the original excerpt as well afterwards. That's awesome. Okay, let's do this. So I've got... I almost just read the name of the first game. (laughs) (laughs) So Holden, we're going to go through and first... I'm going to need to get some information from you, Mad Libs style. This is Game Mag Mad Libs, a literary adventure for excellent fun. First, from you, I need a large noun. A large noun? Yep. Whale. You mean like that? Whale. All right. Any specific type of whale? Let's say... um, We'll do this on my Mac. A a beluga whale. A beluga whale. That's the biggest whale, right? I think it is. I thought sperm whale was the biggest whale. Well, then sperm whale. We'll do that one. Wherever the biggest whale is. Because this is a large Sperm whale. I need the name of a school bully. Could be one from real life or a made-up one. Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. I need... That's from a Christmas story. Something hard. Hmm. Stone. I need the name of a terrorist organization. (laughs) (laughs) F Society. F Society, great. F Society, I need a noun, any old noun. Book. Book. Ooh. Oops, I accidentally deleted the Y from F Society. There we go. Book. I need an item of clothing. Socks. Socks. All right. And then uh, terrorist organization, we're going to use the same one there, F Society. Okay, just a few more left for this one. I need an 80s celebrity. Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Uh, The school bully again, Scott Farkas. Okay. I need a 90s TV character. Kramer. Kramer. And then finally, I need a city devastated by a natural disaster. (laughs) San Diego. (laughs) I don't know why San Diego, but it's San Diego. All right. I'm going to read the the Mad Libs version of this video game manual, and I need you to try to guess what the original game was that it came from. Why even know what the game is? It's from NES. Uh, Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is. 
The sperm whale Scott Farkas is a natural fortress. Its sides are covered with a special kind of stone, and its interior is a complicated book. On top of that, the F Society have planted devices and booby socks in the maze. And the F Society's eerie followers lie in wait around every corner. Matthew Broderick has now succeeded in penetrating Scott Farkas, but time is running out. Will he be able to destroy Kramer and save San Diego? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Metal Gear? Nope. I have no idea. None. Uh, I'm going to go back and call out some some words that might help you that weren't madlibized. Okay. I I doubt it's going to help me, but go for it. No, just kidding. That could be anything. All right, I'm going to start reading. When you when you get the name of it, yell it out. This is the actual <laughs> description. The planet okay. Zebes is a natural fortress. Oh, uh, Metroid. Yeah, there you go. So this is from Metroid, the original Metroid on NES. This is the actual <laughs> description. The planet Zebes is a natural fortress. Its sides are covered with a special kind of stone. You chose the same noun. Great. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And its interior is a complicated <laughs> maze. On top of that, the pirates have planted devices and booby traps within the maze. And in the and the pirates' eerie followers lie in wait around every corner. Samus has now succe- succeeded in penetrating Zebes. That's a real typo in the actual manual. <laughs> but time is running out. Will he be able to destroy the Metroid and save the galaxy? That's not a typo. They wanted to leave you open for the twist at the end. They did, yep. All right, number two. We have three of these. Number two. I need a sexual noun. Sexual noun? A sexual noun. <laughs> Penis. Penis. All right, great. <laughs> Real creative. Penises are funnier than vaginas, so we're going with penis. I mean, there are so many sexual nouns out there, and you know two. <laughs> <laughs> I need a DC superhero. Superman. Man. There are only two. Superman you were and Batman. thinking and right outside others. the box on this stuff. <laughs> I need a public place. The library. I need long food. <laughs> long food. Long food. Foot long hot dog. It's the <laughs> longest food I can think of right now. There's longer. There's longer. I need a synonym for orgasm. Could be a euphemism. That's fine. Synonym for orgasm? Yep. Afternoon delight. Afternoon <laughs> delight. <laughs> I need a sexual position. Hmm. We're just going to go doggy. And then I need a government worker. <laughs> 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 Like a real government worker or just like... Like an example of a government worker. Like what their role or title would be. Um, tax analyst. Tax analyst. All right. Let's see if you can guess the game from your Mad Libs description. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best penis gobbler? Superman! Race around the library, scarfing foot-long hot dogs in pursuit of the perfect afternoon delight. For the ultimate challenge, go doggy style with a tax analyst and a no-holds-barred chow-down challenge. What? (laughs) (laughs) These are impossible to guess. (laughs) The only thing I think about the game with gobbling is either Pac-Man or Yoshi. You got it! Oh, okay. Pac-Man. The original description says... 
Who's the best ghost gobbler? Pac-Man. Race around the ma- maze, scarfing pellets in the pursuit of the perfect score. For the ultimate challenge, go head-to-head with a friend in a no-holds-barred chow-down challenge. All right, last one. I need a Jim Carrey character. I was going to say his, his from Liar Liar, but I actually don't know his, the name of his character in Liar Liar. Fletcher. So I'm say, is it? Fletcher. 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 I don't remember his first name, but Fletcher is what we're going to do. You're right. It is Fletcher. I can, I can know because I heard his wife saying it. I can hear it in my head now. I need an Eddie Murphy character. Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor. I need an exclamation of joy. Woo! <laughs> um, your Jim Carrey character is Fletcher again. I need a plural noun. Lamps. Lamps. All right. I love lamps. I need Eddie Murphy character again. Nutty Professor. I need a different exclamation of joy. Yes. You have to say just like that, though. That's oh, I part will. of it. It's not just yes. It's yes. I need a negative term of endearment. What does that even mean? Like, you stupid neg- bitch. You oh, piece of well, shit. You can't use either of those. But you just used two, the two best ones. Nope. You have to come up with something um, else. All right, fine. Um, and you can make one up, too. That's fine. I'm going to say... Fuck yourself. That's not a term of endearment. I'm saying it is for term of endearment. Because, like, fucking could be a good thing. But like, you might enjoy fucking yourself. You just said you stupid son but of a bitch. But it also has to be a noun. It has to be a noun? To work in the sentence. You want a term of endearment that's a noun? Yep. Like a piece you... of shit or a stupid bitch. Oh, I see what you're saying there. Okay. You see, just just use piece of shit because the, you just took the best one. You're killing this. You are killing this. <laughs> <laughs> I just only coming up with things at the top of my head. I'm not good at it. I've never been good at it. You know this, Chad. I can't <sighs> do improv. I'm not smart like you. All right. Finally, I need an unfortunate circumstance one might be in. Hmm. Out of toilet paper. All right. Out of toilet paper. All right, try to guess this game. <laughs> if Fletcher is defeated, Nutty Professor will whoo. Oh, I've been done in. If Fletcher loses all the lamps he's been given without putting up a good fight, Nutty Professor will yes. And that's the end of the game. If that happens, the points return to a piece of shit, and you must start from being out of toilet paper again. What game is that, Holden? You have totally got me. I have no idea. <laughs> At this point, if it's not The Legend of Zelda uh, or Super Mario Bros, I have no idea what any of Holden, we're you were about. so close. So close. New Super Mario It's Bros. Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. <laughs> is that really? Yep. <laughs> this is the actual excerpt. This is so dumb. This whole manual is so dumb. If Link is defeated, Ganon will return. And then it quotes, Oh, I've oh. been done in. If Link loses all the lives he's been given without putting up a good fight, Ganon will return, and that's the end of the game. 
If that happens, the points return to zero, and you must start from the castle again. See, that's what confused the hell. There's no way that Zelda would have points returned. It makes no sense. Yep. But I haven't played that Zelda before, so... Apparently you have lives and points return and being out of toilet paper. <laughs> that was not actually Madeline Thin. That was part of the game, the toilet paper. That's true. There's also a, a whole page of it. Let's see if I can bring it up back up quickly. Uh, there's a whole paragraph in there about like, hey, be slow while you're playing this game. Don't go too quick. Like, take some time and level up. Hold on, I've got it right here. <laughs> Don't be too hasty. Raise your levels. If Ganon returns, Hyrule will fall further and further into ruin. You have to act carefully to prevent that. If you think you're absolutely no match for an enemy, try to raise your levels. We know how you feel. You want to go quickly to your goals, the palaces, and the lands you haven't been to before, but hold back. Take it in your stride. (laughs) What? (laughs) And then it shows literally a picture of Link face down with his ass in the air and a sword going into his asshole. And then a, a skull with really? an arrow also going into his asshole. And he's holding up a white flag like he's being <laughs> really? fucked by two big dicks. True story. <laughs> I'm screenshotting this and texting it to you right now. This is actually in the game manual. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's NES video game manuals, man. They were bad. Oftentimes had typos or would like go against the actual narrative of the game because nobody was reading them. That's because Nintendo Treehouse probably didn't exist yet, and they weren't quality checking all those things. That's what Nintendo Treehouse does. Yep. That's what they've been doing forever. Did you get the message? Well, forever. Oh, my God. You were not <laughs> kidding. No, I was not kidding. He's being double-dicked by a sword and a skull. Also, what bow and, like, what arrow ever has a skull at the end of it like that? That doesn't even make sense. Well, you haven't seen a moblin cock before. <laughs> You're right. I've not seen a moblin <laughs> cock before. That's, like, downright disturbing. Yeah. All right, that's Damn. it for Game Mag Mad Libs, a literary adventure for excellent fun and for Game on Game Show and also for our show this week. Thanks a lot for listening. We have three things to talk to you about. One, we're going to discuss this right now on the air. Holden, on Sunday, are we recording the barf for Near Automata? Oh, yeah. Great. We will be doing that on Sunday, the 29th, and putting that up as everyone's been playing Near Automata uh, with us. If you have played this before, if you are playing it now along with us in September, send us your thoughts on the game. Whether it's a paragraph, a sentence, it was good, or whether it was a whole fucking novel. Send us what you like. Respawninfire at gmail.com. DM us on Twitter at Respawninfire. We would love to integrate those into our show as well like we did last time with, what did we play, Titanfall, Borderlands? What was it? I don't care. I don't know. Uh, uh, we are going to find out what Doom? October's what Doom? Doom. That's what it was. It was Doom. We had Alex and Dusty writing in about Doom. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That wasn't the last game we played. That was. That was August. I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, we are finding out right now, live on air, what October's barf is, and it is Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. If you have a PlayStation Classic or a PlayStation Three. Or the Xbox One version of the Metal Gear Solid HD collection that comes with the PlayStation 1 version of it. Or you have a GameCube that has twin snakes on it. Or you have a PlayStation Vita that's hooked up to a PS3 and you can move the PS1 classic to it because you can't download it directly to the Vita itself. Or you have a PSP. Or you have a PlayStation 1 around. You have access to Metal Gear Solid and you can play along with us. Holden's never played it before. It's been a long time since I played it and I've forgotten most of everything about it. 
and we're both, I believe, going to be playing on PlayStation Classic. Yes. Or maybe I'll play it on my Vita, because I do have the PS3 sitting right by me, and I do have my Vita with me still. I'm using that Classic, because it's actually the only way I can play it. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I made you buy the Classic. I bought the you Classic did. for you so that you would play it. <laughs> Literally sent me money and said, hold and go to the store right now and get a PlayStation Classic. Yeah, I was. <laughs> well, I said, reserve it for pickup, because I know you, and I know you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to get that. And then two weeks later, I forgot to do it, and now it's full price again. <laughs> so I was like, reserve it for pickup and go get it tomorrow. <laughs> you can't reserve for pickup the next day. You have to do it the same day. I wasn't able to do it that way. I just Son had to go in that day and get it. Bitch, I'm doing yeah. something right. The last five years, Sherry Renee Scott, Jason Robert Brown. <laughs> um, great. I think that's all we have to say, right? Yep. Patreon.com slash responding fire is a place you can go to support us. You can help us vote for future barf games, including November and December, which will be game of the year focused. And they will probably be different games for both Holden and I. So you have two opportunities for both mm-hmm. months to let us know what we should be playing. In early October, look for a poll that we're going to put out just in general to everyone. Like, what games did we miss this year that we should be considering for Game of the Year so we can kind of build mm-hmm. out those polls? And then we'll make a separate poll for each of us. Yeah. Dope, 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 dope. And you get cool wallpapers which are coming later this week when I create them and decide what they're going to be. I've already got November's <laughs> planned or... Yeah, the end of October, the ones coming up for November. I've already got that planned, and I've already actually made those, but they won't work for this one. <laughs> um, dope. We love you guys. Until next time, here's our usual sign-off. <laughs> <laughs>